Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is April 21st. I am David Gasper, joined by co-host Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. Lots to discuss about the brewers this week, and joining us on the Cold Brew Podcast for that discussion is the host of the Wendy's Big Show, as well as Sparky's Midday Madness at 12.50 a.m., the fan, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Sparky, thanks so much, man, for, for hopping on the pod. Absolutely. Had a lot of fun the last time. Looking forward to doing it again. Then, and last time, you know, it was kind of, you know, the end of the year last year, and now we've got a start of a new season here in, in 2021, and uh, things are going a little bit better uh, than they were at the end of last year. The offense is, is showing up a little bit more. Uh, the rotation has been absolutely outstanding, and, and leading the way with that is Corbin Burns. Uh, he had the start on, on Tuesday night there. And Sparky, you and, and everyone else kind of knows what, my feelings on Corbin Burns. Um, but, and, and now he's finally, he's finally proving me right. 40 strikeouts, zero walks, uh, something we've never seen before in the last 120-some years. 0.37 ERA, just dominance from, from Corbin Burns, Sparky. Nobody is happier about Corbin Burns than you. <laughs> nobody. His family members, him, I mean, nobody is happier, more happy for Corbin Burns than you. And it's awesome, man. Every, and I yeah. think, you know, it really speaks to how many people follow you and listen to this podcast and so forth, because I see it all the time on social media. Every time Burns does something, everybody's talking about how happy you are and everything else. And that just shows you <laughs> the popularity, really, of the podcast that you guys uh, have done and the website over the course of time that you guys have started you guys should be proud of yourself and deserve a pat on the back you guys have really created a great thing uh, with this website and this podcast and that's why i love coming on you guys do do your homework you guys know what you're talking about uh, and i really appreciate it as far as strike rotation goes you know tim and i were just talking about this earlier today on uh, sparky's midday madison i'm doing now two to three on the fan and talking about this rotation as far as okay this is a playoff team i think we're there on that Let's talk about this rotation. Front two guys, you need two guys like that in order to win playoff series. You've got them now in Burns and Woodruff. Peralta is kind of the wild card still until he can prove he can do this consistently. But if he's like, say, a half step behind those two, now your rotation is pretty much set for the first three. Really, at the end of the day, all you need, Hauser and Brett Anderson to be, as Tim would call them back in the day, is innings eaters, right? Mm -hmm. Just eat up some innings. Now that council knows what that means because they only go five innings. But if it was a normal manager, that's kind of what you're looking for is innings eaters at the end of the day. If they're around four, four and a half ERAs for both of those two, I think that's a win for the Brewers. And you're very happy if your fourth and fifth starter are sitting around that number. Yeah. What is happening with the rotation is amazing. What's happening with Corbin Burns is even more amazing. 20 of those 40 strikeouts on the cutter alone, that cut fastball, my word, it's just one of the most amazing things to happen to him his entire career. Um, he isn't giving up a batting average over 167 on a single one of his pitches. Um, it's just everything is working for this guy right now. Um, the way he has altered his windup, the way he's altered his pitch mix, it just... It, Opposing batters are just, I, I, I feel a little bad for him, not fully bad for him because I love seeing the Brewers win, obviously. Um, but man, that what they have to see when they go up against Burns. And then, yeah, like you said, it's like now after that, you think you're done. Okay, well, we've got an easier right. go at it today. And then, but then you've got Hauser and Anderson and Peralta and Woodruff, who I, I had uh, commented on uh, 
one of the tweets that you guys put out there on the fan about who has the better chance at being a Cy Young, Brandon Woodruff or Corbin Burns. I said, you know, my opinion was I felt like Brandon Woodruff had the better chance because of his ability to go longer. That said, if Corbin Burns starts doing some crazy, amazing things, he has the better stuff. So I'd give him the edge. And lo and behold, he's doing some crazy and amazing things, isn't he? I told you. I told all of you. Did, did you tell us you know, all that it'd be 40 strikeouts with no walk? I mean, that's who would have predicted that? No, that would have been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, the other thing, too, about this is, is, I mean, I know you guys didn't do this, of course, right? But I did, and a lot of other people were kind of making fun of the Brewers for the way they handled the Corbin Burns thing a couple of years ago. Okay, you're not in the major leagues anymore. Okay, you're in the minors. You know what? You still stink. So now we're going to send you to our quote unquote pitching lab and we're going to fix you there. Like it's some type of, you know, robot in a movie or something. They're going to fix him. He's going to come out and be this undestructible force. I'm done making fun of sending guys to pitching labs. I'm all done because if that's what happens when you send a guy to a pitching lab, maybe they should find a hitting lab for Keston Hira and try that. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they yeah. absolutely do. And I mean, the, you know, the Corbin Burns, he, the pitching lab, yeah, worked out for him and, um yeah Kesson Hira um he could really use one of I mean, his start to the season has just been brutal six for 51 22 strikeouts a 118 batting average I, I was saying you know earlier in the year about the first like week or so when he was struggling I'm like okay it's it's not time to worry you know it, it'll be fine he'll figure it out then we're two weeks in it's like okay you know still kind of weird but now we're three weeks into the season Hira still hasn't figured it out. He is still looking just as rough out there now as he was on, on opening day. Uh, when do you think it's time to start to worry about Keston Hira? All right. So your love for Corbin Burns is unmatched. I'm not trying to say that, but <laughs> you know, for, me, for me now, you know, Keston Hira is my favorite brewer. And for the longest time, I didn't have a favorite brewer. I didn't just, I just wasn't into anybody really per se. But Keston here is kind of my guy. I like his personality. He's a hell of a baseball player. I'm like you. Last year in the summer, it's like, okay, this isn't real. Yelich isn't real. This isn't real. He's too good of a hitter. This isn't real. He'll be fine. But then you come back in spring training, and he isn't very good. Then he catches fire in spring training. Like, okay, he figured it out. Here we go. And then the lights go on, and we're right back to where we were before. Am I concerned? Yeah, I am a little bit concerned. I just don't think he's this bad. And I don't think you guys think he's this bad either. Now the question just becomes, how long do you go before you possibly send him down to the minors to work on it? Well, first of all, there are no games yet. The Brewers player development just tweeted out that they're going to have games at high A, single A, and double A against White Sox affiliates here. And they tweeted out those lineups, I think it was yesterday. So those are, are gradually kind of starting. There's nowhere to send them to fix them until there's actual games going on. So unless you want to send him down a double A to go work on some things, then I'm, I'm okay with that. And that's what you want to do. I just don't think they're going to move on from Keston Hira uh, until Craig Council's had enough. And Craig Council's a guy that went for oh for a million uh, and, and continue to go up there and play every day. So he's going to give Keston Hira every opportunity. I would think if Keston Hira hasn't figured this out by the second week of May or so, I think at that point, then they're going to have to send with the minors and whoever is playing at that point, that's where he's going to go play. I don't know if AAA will be going at that point, but double A will definitely be going. So maybe yeah. you send them down to double A work on some stuff uh, and then bring them back up after a week or a week or so. Again, you just brought D Gordon in, right? So that'll give D Gordon 
two, three weeks to kind of get up to speed, see some live pitching down the alternate site, get ready to go. Uh, and then if that's not going, you know, you make that swap, let Travis Shaw play first base. Uh, and then, you know, Robertson can play third or whatever. The one thing that's a little bit concerning to me right now is Urias and really how badly hurt he is because in pregame before the game today, here on uh, Wednesday, before the Padres afternoon game, Council said, yeah, I'm not going to talk about him until after the game. And wouldn't address what's going on. He said, I'll talk about it after the game, which tells me there is something probably significant is my guess, or they're waiting for results to see if there's something significant before they move forward. Now, if Urias is out for any length of time, uh, then things are going to get interesting to see what they're going to do at the shortstop position going forward. Yeah, yeah, it, it's certainly kind of a mess in the middle, middle infield right now with Jace Peterson and Daniel Robertson starting in the in the middle infield. And yeah, down there in, um, in Arizona, they, they've got the minor league spring training going with, with all those games. And the minor league season starts May 4th, I think, all across Triple A down right. down to A ball. That that's May fourth. I think that starts. So if you were to send Keston down right now, it would only be to the alternate training site in Appleton. And I really don't know how much that would actually uh, help yep. him. When we had Vinny Martino on the pod last week, um, he was saying that you know here is just kind of a guy you might just have to let him struggle at the big league level and figure and figure it out. Um, and you know th- this is something that. You, you see happen a lot across baseball with, you know, several players, you know, at, at whatever time. And we saw this happen with Travis Shaw in 2019. He had um, a similar type struggles to begin the season. Um, and, you know, it, it eventually got to like six weeks or so into the year. Then they decided they had, they had to send him down. They had to give him a chance to work on some things. And even Travis Shaw at, at that point, as bad as he was that year, he wasn't even this bad, as bad as Kesson is. I looked up Shaw's numbers in 2019. Um, through the first 15 games that Shaw played, he was 9 for 52 with a 173 average and 20 strikeouts. Keston Hura this year has played in 15 games. He is 6 for 51 with 22 strikeouts, a 118 batting average. And it's just been... It's been incredibly tough to watch for him. And I mean, with Shaw in the dugout there, you'd think, you know, he'd, he'd be able to lean on him for, for some advice. It's like, you've been through this. How do I get out of it? Well, that too. And you also have a manager that's been through an even worse stretch of time when he was mm-hmm. walking for So, I mean, he knows about the struggles too. And I, look, we had counsel on the other day on the big show and he cl- clearly thought I was being a smart aleck or something about the league question <laughs> about the bad coach. Because he did not respond very nicely. But having said that, I, I was curious. I was straight up curious of seeing what Andy Haynes and, and, you know, what he does as a hitting coach. Like, are you sitting there with these guys going over game plans, going up to each pitching matchup? How much are you involved in writing out that scouting report? Is that done by advanced scouts and you kind of just play off of what they say? Like, really, what do you do? Well, counsel pretty much laid out there that says, yeah, he does everything except swing the bat. He does everything else but swing the bat. Okay, well, fine. Then if this offense struggles, it's on him. I've been on the air defending left and right Andy Haynes saying until we know really what he does, we can't really go after him because that's one position. You just, I mean, hitting coach, really, what do they do? But I've been around that organization for years. I've seen hitting coaches come and go. I've talked to numerous hitting coaches over the course of time where it's like, I'm not going to say the player. There was one player who was an all-time Brewer great, who was in a deep funk at one point. Yeah, it's just talking to him. No recorder on nothing. We're just sitting there talking. I was like, what's going on? He's like, he doesn't want my help. He said, he'll come to me and ask me if he wants my help. And we're <laughs> two months into this slump. 
didn't want to hear it from him. He I figured out himself, he said. So again, when when we don't know everything that's going on, it's hard to go after one of these Brewers baseball coaches and say, well, they're the reason. I don't know how much Haynes is working with Keston here. I have no idea. I, I don't know if Keston is listening to somebody else on the outside as far as maybe he's talking to somebody from college where he was really successful. Maybe he's talking to a friend or a family member. I, I don't know who he's listening to um, to try and get him out of this. If it is Andy Haynes, then fine. Then Andy Haynes at some point has to make the decision of, look, I've tried everything I can try. Craig, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm at wit's end. I can't figure out how to get him fixed. And then at that point, it's going to be on council to say, all right, so what are our options? Our options are to set him AAA. What other options do we have? Do we really think outside of the box and fly Ryan Braun in for a week or two and let him work with Keston here away from the field and keep it hush-hush and see if Braun can fix him? All gummies aside, do what you have to do. Or, you know, do you go and, and try and find a, an old college coach or somebody to come in here and try and help him? I, I don't know, but that is such a big thing because at the end of the day, if he can't figure out how to hit, he has no value. None. He defensively, he's not any good. So you can't trade him uh, somewhere because they want his defense. The only reason anybody would want him would be for his bat at this point. He's not going to go be a DH in the AL if he's hitting a buck 20. He has absolutely zero value if he can't hit. They have to fix Keston Hira. Keston Hira has to fix Keston Hira. And my advice to him is, dude, if you don't want to play first base the rest of your career, you better start hitting because that's the only chance you have of getting out of Milwaukee via trade is if you hit. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck there or in the minors for the foreseeable future. I, I think there's a couple of things that make the decision a, a little tough with, you know, what move you end up making here with here. I, one of them is the fact that there's, there's these little glimmers, you know, in the stats that make you wonder if he at some point is going to break out of this. He is, his batting average on ball and play is extremely low at 179. That's going to even back out and that's going to lead to more hits at some point. His uh, hard hits, his average exit velocity, barrel rate, stuff like that is actually middle of the pack. So when he's connecting, he's connecting well, he's still striking out way the heck too much. Um, he's, over last year, he was 34.6% of the time he struck out last year's at 36.7. So he's actually going up, which is very alarming. Um, but it, he, when he's had a couple of those side sessions with Andy Haynes, um, you've seen those just that glimmer that he's going to do something. He had that one game about a week ago where he had, it was three or four uh, either outs or hits that were all over a hundred mile an hour exit velocity. And you thought, okay, all right, he's okay. He's going to do this. And then the next day council sat him. So, okay, well, that's a little backwards logic, but maybe he's onto something here. And then even after the most recent one um, where they said he worked with Haynes, he actually, you know, looked like he was connecting a little bit. And so, but he's just not putting it together for a sustained period of time. So, you know, I, I'm kind of with you guys, I guess, I don't know at what point you do start to get concerned and, you know, do you give them some time down in AAA once it starts? The hard part about that is then you have to make a move and start adding people to the 40 man and taking people off. If you look at our roster right now, outside of catchers, there is one player on the 40 man offensively who is not either on the IL or already in the major leagues. And that's Corey Ray. And you're obviously not bringing him. He's an outfielder. So to bring someone else up, you have to pull, whether that's D Gordon, whether that's a Pablo Reyes or a Zach Green or guys that we saw in spring training who might have a chance to do something, you have to start 
having a ripple effect on the rest of the roster. And so it would be real nice if he could just figure it out and start hitting and we don't have to deal with any of those hypotheticals. Right. You know, and it's a little bit different too. I mean, if you look at a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. uh, And what he brings to the table in his career, because he's a veteran, you know what you're getting. He's hot Mm -hmm. and cold. He's as streaky as they come. He's going to go through streaks where you're like, oh my God, he's killing him. Get him out of the lineup. Okay, fine. But at least when he's in the lineup, he provides gold glove highlight defense. So while while he may not hit, he provides you something else that benefits the baseball team by having them on the field. And, and that's the problem that you, you don't have that with Keston here at this point, you don't get that benefit by having them out there while he's not hitting. Yeah. It's just been really just kind of ugly all the way around. And you wonder if, you know, that's, you know, one part is playing into the other, whether the, it's the transition to a new position at first base uh, that, that could be contributing to sure. the struggles or, uh, the struggles at, at um, hitting or contributing to the struggles at first base, you know, a lot of things could, could be playing into that there. And, and it's a very tough spot for him mentally because, you know, as we saw with Travel Shaw, th- this can spiral on you quickly um, as you try to press and get yourself out of it. Um, so, you know, if they were to do something there with Kesson here, then, you know, what do they do at first base? And it's like you could put Daniel Volga back there. He's had, you know, some big moments. And you've also got Billy McKinney who has been uh, on quite the streak here the past uh, couple of days. He's got two homers in, in his past two games, Monday and Tuesday. And he's got the, the first base experience. He can play first base. And once Yelich and Kane come back, the Brewers aren't going to need him as much in the outfield. He's not going to get as much playing time out there. But um, with you know, how he's been hitting, I mean, he's hitting 300-something. I mean, it's only been you know 30-some plate appearances, but still – He's been hitting 300. He's showing some power and he's coming up in some big moments. So, you know, Billy McKinney, uh, he could be earning himself some more playing time. And, and if Kesson here, I can't figure it out. Maybe that playing time's at first base for him. Well, and that's just it. And council said just a couple of days ago, Vogelbeck has earned himself more playing time and he needs to play more. So if mm-hmm. he's playing more, when Colton Wong comes back, there is nowhere for Kesson here to go. If McKinney continues to hit well and Vogelbeck is hitting well too, then he's going to be stuck. So then what is it? You keep a roster spot and you have Haynes work with him for three, four, five, six days in a row off the field. You don't put him in game situations and just keep him hidden away. Uh, and then once you feel like you figured him out, then you put his toe in the water for a game and see what happens. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the, the way that you go about it uh, and just ride McKinney as long as you can until he slows down a little bit. Yeah, there it's. Sure is nice to um, look back at the naysayers of why are we hoarding all these outfielders yet again and see this is exactly why that the Brewers always love to stack up that outfield depth and especially knowing, you know, some of the histories, especially the quote unquote injury history with Yelich now because he does get dinged up a time or two per year um, with Kane getting older. Um, they knew that they were going to need that depth. And now it's not even just going past Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, Cause you thought that was what was going to provide that depth. And McKinney was just going to get the, uh, you know, the spot at bats here. McKinney is showing that it's so important too. So yeah, why not ride the hot hands? Um, if he earns more playing time, he earns more playing time, even once uh, Yelich and Kane are back. And if that happens to be, at first base, I know it's a little tough because McKinney's a lefty, Vogelbach's a lefty, so it's not like you're going to platoon the guys. Maybe you do, right. um, but so they'll they'll have to fight for playing time a little bit in that sense. But 
if the guy can hit and he is providing value, something you keep speaking to Sparky, who is providing the actual offensive value right now, it's McKinney. So, you know, once people start returning to this roster, find a way to keep him in the lineup because, you know, he's helping the Brewers win games. Uh, and the other thing, too, is is if McKinney continues to play well defensively, obviously he's not a liability defensively in the outfield. He has shown that to this point, too. Mm-hmm. At some point here, as you get closer and longer into the season, does a Lorenzo Kane name pop up uh, as far as maybe moving to Lorenzo Kane to fill another hole on the roster? Uh, he's going to have to play well and stay relatively healthy because his contract number isn't pretty. Uh, as far as another team taking him on. But if somebody's in desperate need of a center fielder and uh, they're down and they don't have anybody else at the deadline, but they have a, a nice reliever arm that you could put in the back end with Devin Williams and Josh Hader to solidify seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, maybe that's something you think about if you're the Brewers. If come July, Billy McKinney is still tearing the cover off the ball and still playing really well, I think that has to become an option uh, at that point. I don't. I don't move Jackie Bradley Jr. Just because defensively, I feel like he's better than Lorenzo Kane right now. He's got younger legs. I just, I think he's better than Kane defensively. Offensively, maybe not, but I'd rather have his defense out there in center field because I think Yelich will be fine. I think Garcia, Narvaez, I think those guys all hit. Uh, Wong's going to do what he does. So I think you have enough there from that perspective to where you could sacrifice a little offense in center field if it means solidifying it and really making the back end of that bullpen rock star status with another reliever, Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Now a Burns or Woodruff have to get through six and it's over in the playoffs. That's a huge, huge difference for this Brewers bullpen going forward. Yeah. And when it comes to, um, you know, up the middle defense and, you know, it, most of those up the middle positions, center field, shortstep catcher, you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of offense for very strong defense. And when it comes to, um, when it's 100% healthy, catcher and shortstop, the Brewers have been getting pretty good offensive production. Luis Urias, in his last six games, is hitting 385. Four of his five hits have gone for extra bases, two doubles, two homers. He's slugging 1,000. Um, so he's really kind of finally showing his um, offensive ability, a 23% walk rate as well. Uh, so he's been a strong offensive presence. And then uh, behind the plate, Omar Narvaez, Matt's favorite guy, uh, he is he is coming back strong uh, here in 2021. So you're getting the really strong offensive production out of those two primary defensive positions. So yeah, when it comes to center field, Sparky, I, I think you're right. You can sacrifice a little bit more offense there because you're getting the extra offense out of those other two positions there at shortstop and at catcher. Uh, exactly, and that's why this this Urias thing is a big deal right now. I think for this Brewers team, if mm-hmm. if Urias misses any type of time their stock with all due respect to Robertson. I mean, I'm not on that train as far as him being an answer for two or three months at the shortstop position. Then what is their next move at that point? Who's going to play shortstop on a day-to-day basis? Uh, D Gordon. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't think I like that either, to be honest with you. So. And Bryce Terang's not ready. Right. I I just, I think it it provides an interesting plot twist uh, to this Brewers team as far as how they would fill that if he is up. Now, we don't know. We're still waiting to find out how serious this is with Urias. Hopefully it's not. Maybe he goes on a 10-day DL if it's something and he comes back. They can survive that. What they can't survive is who would have thought we'd be talking about Urias being this big of a key cog for this Brewers team. My God. Uh, but hey, if he's out two or three months, that, that's going to be a problem. And he's going to – he, being David Stearns, has got to figure out how he's going to fill that hole. Yeah. Kind of makes you wish they didn't trade Orlando Arcia at that point. 
Yeah. So Sparky's got a uh, very limited time. We're very appreciative Sparky that, that you're able to come on and spend some time here to talk to us. We know you got to get going. So uh, we'll let you do what you got to do. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later, Sparky. Thanks so much for, for coming on the, the pod this week. Always fun rooting for Corbin Burns from my guy over there. Yeah, there we go. Get on the hype train. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks later. a lot, Sparky. Thank you. All right. So, that was Sparky Pfeiffer joining us here on the Cold Brew Podcast. And uh, always fun talking with Sparky. Always good to talk with him. And, uh, you know, now it can. Now it's just back to Matt and I here, and just you know, it's what the it's what the people you know sometimes just need a little a little bit of uh, just the two of us, you know. That's right, just just the just the two of us. Oh, okay, no, that's, <laughs> we didn't we don't want that. I'm sorry. This is, is not that, that kind of podcast, Matt. Okay. What are you well, What I, are you doing, man? That's, I was just singing a song, man. Not well, but. All right, <laughs> I can't sorry, sing everyone. either. I, I apologize for that. I uh, I, I can. I, I I rocked a karaoke circuit. I'm telling you. But uh, oh yeah. No, I did. I didn't prepare for this. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if, if I tried to do karaoke, I'm pretty sure I'd get booed off the stage. <laughs> it is. It is not good. I, it'd be interesting watching a giant six eight person trying to rock out what like Bon Jovi or something. Would that be what you'd? Oh, Shania Twain, dude, one hundred percent. Shania Twain. Okay. Oh, I can <laughs> I can see Shania Twain in there. Just, right. just me in my my six foot eightness standing up there <laughs> jamming out to man. I feel like Shania Twain would just be <laughs> the greatest karaoke night of all time. Oh, oh Sparky, man. you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> oh man, man, I don't know how many drinks it would take me to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> how many Miller lights would it take for David to go up and do that? Too many. Several. Several. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to <laughs> back to baseball. Um, so yeah, we just had a great conversation there with uh, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer of 1250 AM, the fan. Um, and you know, talking about this uh, this Padres series and the Brewers. I mean, they came in. I mean, the, the Brewers were coming off a series loss to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are one of the worst teams in the league. They have the number one overall pick in this year's draft. Um, so they're really not expected um, to, to do very well. They're not really that great of a team. So, and the Brewers lost two out of three to them. And then they come in to the San Diego Padres who are supposed to be one of the best teams in baseball and are one of the best teams in baseball have one of the most talented rosters and they sweep them in three games. They, they held the Padres to three runs. Fernando Tatis wasn't really able to get going. Manny Machado wasn't able to, to do much. And you know, the, the pitching staff just shut them down and the offense was able to, to get going. I mean, this was just really an incredible series, Matt. And consider that they did all of that without Christian Yelich, all of that without Lorenzo yeah. Cain, all of that without Colton Wong. Um, they're putting out uh, lineups that feature Jace Peterson and Daniel Robertson Ugh. in the middle of the lineup. And you know what? Hey, to their credit, they helped us win some games here. Um, but it also helps when you, you know, we were talking about the Brewers' amazing starting staff uh, with Sparky. And they got to roll out Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, 
and Adrian Hauser three games in a row, that's going to give you a pretty dang good chance to win any day of the week, any series of the week. And then on top of that, the bullpen, which, you know, they had had, had their moments in some of the uh, uh, games during that Pirate series, uh, they really came through and didn't give up a run in this entire series. So uh, just everything that needed to go right for the Brewers went right. The Monday game helped that uh, Tatis and Machado sat. So they kind of, with Woodruff on the mound, they basically spotted us a game. And then that's not a great strategy going into Corbin Burns. Oh, they, they, yeah, yeah, they sat against Corbin, I think. They sat against Corbin. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's they were they were late games. I'm all I'm all messed up here. <laughs> hey, no, um, I, I did the same thing, man. Yeah, oh, you're right because we were talking about them being scared of Corbin Burns. Um, yeah, yeah, I, but I mean that not not the most solid strategy. I know uh, Tatis is coming back from injury, so so I get him them being careful with him for sure. But regardless, you know, everything went the way the Brewers needed it to go. Did I expect a sweep against one of the best teams in baseball? No, definitely not. And, and then especially coming back to back a series loss against the Pirates, like that's that's just baseball, that things like that can happen in a marathon of a season. It also goes to show exactly why you don't overanalyze what can happen over a very small period of time because a few days later things can completely turn around yeah there's i mean there there's some good things that you can take away from this series but you know just because the brewers beat the padres here in april doesn't mean that um, the next time that the brewers face padres they're they're going to be able to sweep them or doesn't mean that when it comes to october uh if they face each other that the brewers are going to have the upper hand you know a a lot can change certainly between now and then um, but a lot could change even, even between, you know, Wednesday and, and Friday. You know, so much can can happen there. And uh, speaking of uh, something changing between Wednesday and Friday, uh, Colton Wong is going to be back. Uh, according to Craig Council, he will be activated uh, for Friday for, for the series there against the Cubs. And the Brewers have been missing Colton Wong. Um, they, they've been missing him at the top of the order. He made his, you know, it, it's kind of weird how Colton Wong made his, you know, return to St. Louis on, you know, opening day, the first game of the series, got hurt mid-game. And then also in the series here against San Diego, Luis Urias makes his return to San Diego Mm -hmm. and he gets hurt mid-game and misses the rest of the series. That's very odd, very peculiar. But that's something I just kind of noticed and connected. And it's like the first game of each series – where they were returning for a homecoming, like they get, you know, whatever welcome. Wong obviously got a bigger welcome than Urias did, but then mid-game, they leave, and Urias, it was, it was on a home run trot. His calf cramped up yeah. on a home run trot. Like, are you kidding me? A home run trot cramp? I, I can't tell if that's a huge flex or just one of the stupidest injuries I've ever heard. <laughs> well, we... Uh, are the fan base that had Jonathan Lucroy injure his toe on luggage or something like that? That was so his hand. Broke his, his hand on was luggage. That his hand? Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, and then it's... Will Smith uh, tore his ACL taking off his shoe. I remember that. It, yeah, we've we've already gone through some uh, crazy injuries. Th- that said, uh, are you saying that we need to hold Brad Boxberger out of the Miami series? I mean, I know that's at home, but I feel like it's risking it a little bit, him 
uh, going up against his old team with what's been happening here. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just maybe, maybe we need to make sure Yelich doesn't play in that one either. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, maybe right. we're safe because we're at home. Just hope for that. Yeah, good thing we don't play the Red Sox either. Otherwise, you lose JBJ then. Nope, not allowed. Yeah. But I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, uh, Colton Wong is coming back um, on, on Friday, and um, that means someone is going to have to go back down. And given the current state of the Brewers' infield depth, um, I don't know if they're really going to try to send uh, any of them down. Um, and, and they're starting. I think after this, they're going to be starting a 17-game stretch uh, without an off day. Uh, so my money is is on Tyrone Taylor getting sent back down uh, when Colton Wong. Were t- Colton Wong returns. What do you think? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know the outfield depth has been really nice for the Brewers, and it's definitely come into play. Uh, uh, Kane and Yelich on the shelf, but Tyrone Taylor really didn't get nearly as much run as Billy McKinney, so I don't think sending him back down hampers the Brewers a ton. Um, Jace can play certain outfield positions in a pinch, um, and I believe Robertson can as well. So we'd be fine if necessary. I think outside of that, maybe the one other potential option, even though he's actually been helping us out out recently, would be Jace Peterson. That would require a DFA, unfortunately. So I'm sure they would want to put that off as long as they can, whereas Taylor can just nicely be optioned down to the minors. So I, I think maybe that's... a rare possibility right there but i think you're right on the money with taylor being the likely man out yeah and i mean sending back down jace peterson um especially after he just hit two home runs right. somehow yeah um I, I don't know how <laughs> pitchers are are keep, keep on doing this i i got no idea like it's it it's insane to me he no one throws him strikes and now all of a sudden they're just leaving stuff right down the middle and and he's hit like I, I I don't get it. It's it's the strangest thing. And I feel like the more I make fun of him and like the more I just kind of <laughs> lean into how much I don't like him, the better he plays just to prove me wrong. It's the weirdest thing. So it's like do I stop hating on him so much or do I keep on leaning into it so he keeps on playing better? You know? I mean- some of some of those players just feed off the negativity, so maybe that's maybe he's sensing it. Normally, it's not from your own doing. fans, but still, well, no. But <laughs> I mean, you get hits more, and there would be less negativity from your own fans. But um, I, I, again, give I'll I'll give him credit. Um, he has definitely been helping us out, and I want to say now he's the Brewers are five and one when he starts. I think we're up to five and. Uh, I think it is insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. So, um, yeah, it, to going back to the original, I think Wong coming back ends up with uh, Tyrone Taylor down in the minors. It's not going to be. I know they played a little bit with that pitcher hitter mix at the beginning of the year, actually going heavier on hitters, which was surprising. Um, with 17 games over the next 17 days, I highly doubt that a pitcher being optioned down is what we're going to see in this case. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't see them cutting into their pitching staff, and 
I mean, Council likes to go with as, as many pitchers as possible, and um, yeah, that's it, especially since Yardley's been pitching better since he came back yep. up. You know, Yard, Yardley hasn't had uh, those kinds of issues. His slider's looking better. His command's looking better. Um, so that's really what you like to see there out of uh, Yardley. Um, so that's really just kind of um, putting the Brewers in a good spot there with their bullpen and and helping them uh, stay uh, scoreless there in that series against uh, the Padres. So, uh, yeah, coming back up, uh, the Brewers are going to be playing the Cubs again down at Wrigley Field. And the last time these two teams played, uh, things got a little tense, uh, to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, it, it ended up with uh, Wilson Contreras getting hit again as he was kind of swinging into a pitch, stopped his swing, but his hands were already out there, and he got hit by another pitch. And then the next inning, uh, the genius that is Ryan Tapera, uh, <laughs> who who somehow received an MVP vote last year, decided, hey, I'm going to intentionally throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball right behind the knees of Brandon Woodruff. That whole genius. Um, and <sighs> Woodruff obviously took exception to that, and uh, things got a little tense there. And then in the post-game comments, Wilson Contreras, uh, being the genius that he is, admitted <laughs> that they intentionally threw at Brandon Woodruff. And then, shockingly, a few days later, MLB comes down with a three-game suspension for Ryan Tapera and a one-game suspension for David Ross. And Tapera is shocked. Shocked. Shook He is flabbergasted that he got a suspension for intentionally throwing at a player. And in his comments about his suspension, he said... Yeah, I chose to to throw behind Woodruff. I made that decision. I've I'm sending the message that we've had enough. Going to appeal this. There was no malicious intent. What? Yeah. I was a Are little you kidding surprised, me? I think he said. I, I was a little surprised yeah. they suspended me. Okay. Yeah. There was no malicious intent, but I sent the message that we've yeah. had enough and you know, I chose to I chose to do it. Dude, you are admitting intent to throw to hurl a 95 mile to hurl an object that's essentially a rock at 95 miles an hour at an opponent's knees. That is malicious intent. That is a definition of malicious intent, you moron. Like, <laughs> what do you think you're doing? And then you're going to try to appeal, and and while you're saying you're going to appeal, you're to wrongdoing like what 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 do they have in the water down there in chicago that this dude has such little brain activity i i don't know i i can't even (laughs) i can't like i get yes baseball is a sport that's been around forever and has all these unwritten rules and blah 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 but you know like i've talked to a couple people with since then it's frustrating that in these situations you don't take context into play because if you did you would realize that the two times Contreras got hit there is no otherworldly reason why the Brewers would have possibly hit him on purpose yes I get he has a lot of hit by pitches against the Brewers 
look back at the video and decide whether you think he has a legitimate gripe about that. Uh, but the two that happened this year, the Devin Williams heater to the noggin, which was clearly just, he's not going to throw that on purpose. He kidding me. And it slipped out of his hand at 93. Yes, like like it, he's normally 97, 98. That was a 93. Right. So that obviously wasn't on purpose. And then the Boxberger one happens in a close game. And yes, Cubs four runs is a close game. Uh, after Boxberger had just been called up, like obviously he's not trying to lose his job by trying to, you know, throw wild pitches. So those two instances should have shown, and the second one leading to benches clearing should have shown that obviously there was no purposeful intent. And yet once the Cubs come to town, all of a sudden you start seeing Brewers hitters start getting popped eventually culminating with the throw behind Woodruff's needs. And anyone who was a lip reader knew exactly what Woodruff was saying oh, yeah. back out to Tapera. And uh, Rizzo apparently looked very shocked that he was being yelled at. Um, so much shock down there in Chicago. So much shock. I I had a, a, a slightly uh, frightening moment of my own when I posted a criticizing tweet about Tapera the next day. And he went and apparently he searches himself on Twitter and he, <laughs> of course he does and liked and retweeted my tweets. I was thinking he was doing it so that Cubs fans could unload on me. And I went, oh, well, oh, crap. Here we go. Well, prepare for the mentions um, until you had pointed out that he then went and unliked and unretweeted that tweet. Hmm. Seemingly, probably because he didn't understand. And I was being sarcastic against him what because tweet, Ryan Tapera uh, saw it was something about, oh, it was after we had been hit by our second pitch in the Pirates first Pirates game. Uh, I had said, can someone reach out to Ryan Tapera and see what we're supposed to do about this? Because clearly he is the authority on policing the game. And he <laughs> took that. <laughs> we think anyway, our theory took that as me actually complimenting him until he realized otherwise. So Ryan Tapera, clearly so he is a genius. An yes, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, I, it's interesting that the day after the Cubs left town, uh, Contreras ended up getting hit by pitch, naturally, because that's what he does. It's not just us that hits him. Yeah, um, he and also, the plate. Yep. And he leans and in. He does. And he jabs that elbow right over the plate. Um, and then Tapera, a couple days later, ended up coming in in relief, hitting two people seemingly not on purpose, and then mm. giving up a grand slam. That was <laughs> some real poetic justice to hear about. Fans, uh, so it's amazing. It is a mess. Unbelievable right now. Unbelievable. Period. Oh man, that was amazing. If you don't know what we're talking about, um, and after the game where. Uh, Contreras got hit and uh, Tapera threw at Woodruff and tensions were high. Contreras came up in the eighth inning and hit a two-run homer to put the Cubs on top and end up winning the game. So afterwards, the uh, geniuses that run the Chicago Cubs Twitter account, so many geniuses down there in Chicago. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we like the, you. We're good with you Southsiders, just, just so we're clear here. Oh, yeah. And the geniuses that, that were on the Cubs Twitter account just tweeted out a montage of uh, Wilson Contreras getting hit by pitches and then hitting the home run with uh, Bill Schroeder's voice in the 
in the background, um, just kind of saying, you know, that, that that's unbelievable, just kind of upset about the showboating. And they had the caption for that tweet that just said, unbelievable, period. Um, so <sighs> then the next day when the Brewers won and, and Corbin Burns dominated and, you know, pretty much every day since then, whenever anything happens, either relating to the Cubs or the Brewers' dominance, unbelievable is the word that pretty much everyone on Brewers Twitter uh, is using. So I'm, I'm sure we will be uh, typing out that word, unbelievable, many more times as this uh, Cubs series uh, this weekend unfolds. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be a fun time. Oh, yeah. I was, I was personally a big fan of uh, the Brewers' social media after we won that series, um, captioning their... The tweet with put it on the board, which for those who are unfamiliar, um, Hawk Harrelson was a very famous White Sox broadcaster. And his home run call was you can put it on the board. Yes. And so the Brewers using a White Sox uh, broadcaster's catchphrase to announce a series win over the Cubs. That was to me a just nice, nice little subtle cherry on top. Um, and then the Brewers also had a video of their own with the caption, unbelievable, period. <laughs> um, and uh, Brad, the guy who runs the, the Brewers Twitter account, um, we're all like, yes, thank you. You 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 did it. We I would have been so disappointed if they didn't send out something like that. Um, you, like you just had to, you know, you, you just had to. So that was a very, very savage moment um, from Brewers. Sad. So, yeah, very, oh, very satisfying, very savage yes. moment. Uh, absolutely love it. So uh, now we got another, another thing series, and uh, Brandon Woodruff is going to be pitching again in that series. Mm-hmm. He's going to have the uh, the Sunday game, I do believe. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, Brett Anderson on Friday and then Freddie Peralta on Saturday and Brandon Woodruff on Sunday. Um, so that's going to be a... A very fun uh, reunion uh, between these two sides. Yeah, Freddie Peralta in his uh, third matchup against the Cubs already this season. Um, I don't what, like what is up with the Brewers playing the Cubs three times in the month of April. Yeah, I don't know who makes these schedules between that and us starting off the year versus the Twins, which is also super weird. Like to just have that pop up right out of nowhere. Um, we have just pulling it up super quick. Um, just one series against the Cubs in the final month of the season. So I'm I'm surprised we even get one considering how much they're packing uh, early, but uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that we won't get uh, a whole lot of nice, you know, high pressure Cubs matchups in September, potentially fighting for a playoff spot, plenty of uh, games against the Cardinals. We actually have nine games against the Cardinals in September, but uh, you would hope for some more Cubs to be mixed in there. But yeah, and, nope, and, apparently we're getting them out of the way early. And, and to end the season, they have us going on the road to the Cardinals and then the Dodgers. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? You're you're having us end the season against the Dodgers? It's like, he's just trying to screw up, to screw the Brewers. That's all yeah. they're trying to do. Um, uh, we have yeah, and they have and they have us facing the Dodgers here in the in the month of April too. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you have us going, you know, Padres, then Cubs, and then. Shortly after that, the Dodgers, like, MLB is just trying to do a, a gauntlet here at the beginning and, and at the end to just try and take the Brewers out. Like, it, it, 
I mean, I know like it's just a you know thing off the top of my head. Like, I don't think there is actually a conspiracy to try and take the Brewers <laughs> out, but there might be. Um, I, so next I, week I on Conspiracy Theory Podcast, uh, in Conspiracy Theory Corner here on the Cold Brew. <laughs> I wouldn't be willing to put anything past Rob yeah. Manfred. Let's be honest. Rob I will, Manfred I will, is an alien from Mars. Yep. The, next week in the anything. Conspiracy Theory Corner. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I, yeah. You know what, though? It's not working. We they tried loading up some uh, Cubs Cardinals against us early. They yeah, tried giving us series. the Padres early. Didn't work. You know what they should have done? They should have loaded up with three series against the Pirates. Uh, that's what they should have yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, well, they really wanted to take the Brewers out. That's what they got to do. Apparently. Well, either way, they're gonna have to try harder because the Brewers are in first. <laughs> we'll take it. We yep. will take it. So. Yeah, standings right now, you know, only so much that, you know, you can take from it. But, I mean, you you can't win the division in April, but you can lose it. And the Brewers so far are not losing the division in April. So, But the Cubs are. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they're going. They cannot hit, man. Like, we we think it's bad with Kesson Hira. Pretty much they they have an entire lineup full of Kesson Hira's at the moment. Um, It's just, oh, man. It's brutal for, well, for Cubs fans to watch, but for me, I find it absolutely hilarious and fascinating. We love it. Yeah, satisfying once again. Yeah. Oh, man. So so many good times, good feelings. Remember when everyone was so worried about this team in the first, like, week or so that they lost first series to the Twins, and everyone's ready to fire Andy Haynes and fire Council and fire everybody that has a job? Um, and you know, just, just trying to start from scratch and say season's over and yeah. Where are you guys now? Where are you now? Um, yeah, it's, you know, April's normally good for overreactions, but man, it's just seemed like Bruce Twitter was a little over the edge, um, um, this past month. Yeah. Well, and add to that, everyone wanted to fire Jason Lane after, one oh, bad yeah. send in the first game. Bring back Windmill Eddie. I mean, let's okay. Let me maybe let the guy get used to his job first. It, it's it's cancel culture at its worst, isn't it, David? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, Matt. Absolute, absolute worst. Uh, we, <laughs> we don't need any cancel culture with our Milwaukee Brewers at all. Nope. Oh man, yeah. But I mean, sending Travis Shaw. Um, was is really kind of a, a bolt like you got to be real sure if you're gonna send <laughs> Shaw, he's not fast. And then in in the series here against the Padres, he sends Travis Shaw again, and Travis Shaw sneaks in there. Yeah. He gets a foot in. It was not the prettiest slide. Most slides you see at home, but like you see like up slides. Travis Shaw isn't quite that athletic, so he just kind of slid in, and he's just sitting there with his foot like his heel touching the plate, and he's just he's just needing some help up and. <laughs> everything but but he was safe he was safe he made it in there so uh shaw is either gaining some wheels or or jason yeah. lane's just getting a a better read on, on what's going on there but uh yeah shaw shaw made it and shaw's having a great season man like it's it's been great yeah love to see that Sp- speaking of that too the uh 
on Jace Peterson's uh, RBI single where Narvaez motored around to score. I was I, there was plenty of time, and I was still worried that Narvaez <laughs> was not going to make it home in time because that that man does not move quickly. But no. Uh, but no, he, he he made it in. Everything was fine. Um, yeah, Shaw. I am so happy to see him doing well. Um, at, at first, it was just you know there were a couple big flies, but he wasn't quite raising that batted, batting average up. Now looking a lot better. Um, 241 um, OBP is still a little bit low, but you know what? He's in a spot where we want him run producing. Um, and he's got a 739 OPS currently. Um, you know, that's solid. That's definitely a far cry from what we were getting from him in 2019. You know, he's doing what, what we needed to have happen. And that was for the third base position to, get better offensively going into 2021. It didn't have to be an MVP type season, although that would have been nice. Um, but we just, we just needed things to turn back around a little bit. And that was one of the key positions we needed it to happen at. And Travis Shaw, it, love him, love what he is doing so far. And it it's, feels like he's only improving, you know, as he gets more and more comfortable being back in Milwaukee. So I really hope he does. It's, it's awesome having the mayor back and looking more like his old self. Yeah. I mean, so happy for him, you know, personally, just being able to, to have that kind of success. Cause it was ugly. Um, his, his in 2019, I mean, the fans, it seemed like a lot of them turned on him very quickly and they had completely forgotten about the production that he provided in 2017 and 2018 and, and forgot that, for two years, he was a really good player, providing a lot of you know really important at bats for the team, and it seemed like a lot of people forgot about that. And 2019, just everyone was ready to just get him out of there, and um, you know, it it was ugly. It, it really was. And you know, then when he gets signed back, uh, people are kind of upset because I mean, the Brewers didn't sign Justin Turner, who they were, mm-hmm. you know, a finalist for, and they were expecting that. And you know, with Justin Turner, you could get an MVP-like performance. And the Brewers lose out on him, not totally unexpectedly. I, I think, I think even Stearns and Atanasio knew going into that that as soon as the Dodgers matched the offer that they put up, uh, he was going back to LA. I think everybody knew that. And the only hope that the Brewers had was that the Dodgers just simply would not match their offer. That that was the only hope. And the Dodgers matched it because they have unlimited money because this is ridiculous. (laughs) And there he went. So then the Brewers went to plan B, which was Travis Shaw. And, you know, plan B is really not turning out that bad. Right. No, not at all. Um, I I think it was nice at, a lot of people might think that we never had a legit shot at Justin Turner and maybe Justin Turner was using negotiations for leverage. I don't know. But I think the fact that he wasn't the only big name linked to the Brewers, you know, if you go back and look at the fact that Jock Peterson, you know, and Marcelo Zuna and Eddie uh, Rosario and hell, and Jackie Jack, Bradley, eventually Jackley. Yes, exactly. Jackie Bradley Jr. Does end up coming. And um, Colton Wong. Right. I, I think that shows that, you know, Absolutely, the Brewers were a player for all of these different players. Um, and yes, we ended up going with Travis Shaw, but that has turned out not to be too bad of a backup option 
um, you know that David Stearns had his big board and he knew exactly when certain guys were off the board who he's going to go after next. And clearly with certain guys, you know, still out there as free agents, um, Jed Jerko never ended up getting signed. Um, Michael Franco was at the time still a free agent. He's signed now, but he was available for the Brewers if they wanted him at the time. They ended up going with Travis Shaw. Um, and there's a reason that they did that. And we're seeing the reason that they went for him. And that w- ended up being a good move. Yeah. A lot of people, I, I think, have come back around to the Travis Shaw train because now that he's hitting well, um, you know, fans are, are kind of remembering the good that he provided before and, you know, seeing that, you know, the good that he's providing now and, and they're back into um, lo- loving Travis Shaw. And, you know, the, it's great to see. I mean, Shaw deserves the, the you know, the love and support from the from the fans. And um, it, it's just it's just so happy for I'm just so happy for him and and for the team that, that this is really kind of working out and you know obviously it's still april and you know there's still a full season to go but i mean so far it's been so good and and i mean defensively he's been tremendous as well Mm -hmm. over there at third base and you know it was something before 2019 where shaw i really think was an extension candidate Mm -hmm. um he was someone that that you could have looked at as your long-term solution at, at third base and you know, with, with his batting average drop in 2018, I think the Brewers were waiting to see a little bit more, um, see if he could bounce back to it in 2019. Um, and then they'd probably look at giving him an extension. Um, and then obviously the the poor season happened and they ended up non-tendering him. But, um, you know, now he's back and, you know, with another good season and no real third base prospects still in the pipeline. Mm-mm. Um, they're, they're really kind of, uh, you know, they, they could stick with him. Uh, he's only got a one year contract for right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure that they would, you know, if he has a good season, um, w- once we get to the end of the year, I'm sure they'd look at, uh, signing him back for, for something else before he even reaches free agency. Um, and the only other third base prospect that was close was Lucas Ursig, who is now turning into a two way player. Yeah. Um, in recent developments from the uh, minor league spring training, he's now on the mound and he can chuck at 95 plus miles an hour. Um, so perhaps he has a, a future on the mound uh, as a, as a, you know, perhaps as a two way player or strictly as a pitcher. Yeah. I thought I remember um, back when he was in the Brewers top 30, that he had a 70 grade arm. I yep. could be remembering that it, it it yeah, yeah, he did. It, yeah, he had a legit arm there for third base. Mm-hmm. He could chuck it 90-some miles an hour. He pitched a little bit also when he was at Cal uh, mm-hmm. in college. Then when he transferred to Menlo, uh, he was strictly a hitter. But, yeah, he had he had two years in college as a pitcher. Yeah, yeah. So it shouldn't be surprising, having known that grade, that he ended up uh, having that pitching background that they're thinking of using him there. And, hey, maybe that's unlocking a little bit of confidence because uh, Brewers player developments uh, – on Twitter had put out a video showing him popping, uh, what was it? Three home runs in his last two, uh, minor league spring training games. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he's always had, you know, that talent down though. He just hasn't, as he's moved his way up the ranks, he's been showing less and less of it. So, you know, maybe, maybe he could have a lesser version of the Trent Grisham unlocking himself down in the minor leagues. And then, you know, maybe he's not completely lost. And then, 
has the added benefit of now being able to be utilized as a pitcher. I, I'm not going to commit to anything, any thought, new thoughts about him until I actually see it, but uh, it's a little encouraging. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's certainly something interesting to watch and keep an eye on is, you know, his contact skills have really just kind of gone down the tubes in the last couple of years. Um, so it, it's been rough for him and, um, you know, his future, it certainly doesn't seem like it's going to be at third base uh, much, much longer. So, you know, might as well try him out on the mound and, and see what can happen. So, um, yeah, and, and there's been a lot of uh, uh, cool developments down there at the uh, minor, at minor league spring training. Um, Brendan Murphy is back in pitching. He was a fourth round pick in 2017. We haven't seen him since 2017. Like he he pitched in a few games in rookie ball after getting drafted. Didn't see him at all in 2018. Didn't see him in 2019. Obviously didn't see him in 2020. Didn't see him didn't see him like do anything in uh, like independent ball or anything last year. Didn't even see any sort of like you know IL stints. Didn't hear any updates from anyone on injuries or anything. He wasn't pitching anywhere for the last three years. And and he's down there at at spring training and minor league spring training and it's like this is a fourth round pick. Corbin Burns was a fourth round pick. I mean, you can get a lot out of a guy like that, and we haven't seen him until now. So I am very very intrigued by uh by seeing that. Yeah, I will admit that name took me by surprise because I hadn't started really digging deep into. You know, Brewers minor leagues and prospects. I almost thought he years retired. Ago. I I didn't I didn't recognize the name when you said it. To be fully honest, um, I did not recognize that one. So um, it, it it's interesting to see what can happen out of some of these guys. Um, you know, it was one of the reasons why I you know was getting big on QTC here coming mm. into this year. Um, based on you know he's a guy who ended up missing an entire season and then you you know kind of coming back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Um, you know, this is an even bigger version of that. So, yeah. yeah, it's but that's one of the cool things about, you know, baseball in the minor leagues is that you don't you know, it's not like football. It's not like basketball, like where you essentially have to contribute relatively quickly before a team's ready to move on. Uh, if, if you get sidetracked in your development, either due to injury or you know, due to slumping or anything like that, you know, that's what your, you know, minor leagues are there to work with you on is, you know, get you, try and develop, develop you back and then get things on track again. And it's happened with plenty of players. And so it'd be really cool to see, um, you know, he kind of kicks things off and all of a sudden we're hearing about Brendan Murphy here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be interesting at, I mean, I've I've really kind of loved everything that Brewers player development's uh, putting out there on Twitter. Definitely a a really good follow. Um, they're at Brewers PD uh, on Twitter, and no, they're not a police department. They're the player development <laughs> uh, official official Twitter accounts. Um, so they're a good one to follow. Also, some good accounts to follow uh, at Cold Brew underscore Pod uh, at Reviewing the Brew at MKE Matt thirteen. That's Matt over there. I am at D Gasper twenty four. And, of course, follow our guest today at Sparky Radio, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. I'd like to thank him for joining us earlier on the Cold Brew Podcast. That'll do it for us this week. Uh, exciting week up ahead against the Cubs and then the Marlins. 
And then after that, the Los Angeles Dodgers will come to town. So a couple of big series coming up, and we'll continue to provide you the best in Brewers coverage here on the Cold Brew Podcast. So uh, it's been great talking to talking to Sparky, and, and it's always great seeing Matt here. So that'll do it for us this week. I'm sure to join us next week for another edition of the Cold Brew Podcast.